I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets, a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. My name is Todd, and today I have with me my friend Burke. How are you today, Burke? Well, uh, as part of the Thanksgiving weekend holiday, I'm very much enjoying an extended four days off of work, and therefore life is obviously fantastic. Wonderful. It's so nice to have some time to... Just relax, decompress, have delicious food, be with your family. So, sounds yeah. great. Excellent. I also have with me today Rivka. How are you today, Rivka? Great. Yes, great. And, it's, uh, it's nice and calm, and but we have a puppy that's wandering around. <laughs> our son is off with his cousin, and my daughter's off somewhere. I don't know. And Brooke and I just went to our different areas to record the podcast, and she's wandering around like, where, what is happening? Everyone's <laughs> gone. She's actually keeping my feet warm right now. Find so. you good. Oh, she's at the base nice. of the stairs for quite a while, trying to decide what to do with life. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the level of peacefulness we've accomplished today. <laughs> awesome, I love it. So she doesn't get loose and you know run around and destroy things when she doesn't have anyone to hang out with. Generally, not. No, she'll usually find something and then like chew it to pieces, but she doesn't just go on general destructive rampages. Mostly she just chews her stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Designated chew items. Or garbage. Garbage. That's fun. And uh, again, I'm, you know, I keep getting told to uh, shorten these up, but hey, I don't care. I'm going to keep going. Burke, (laughs) I know you're an excellent uh, cooker on the grill there. Chef, grill chef, I don't know what to call you. You're good at making meat on over a fire. <laughs> what what you do for Thanksgiving? Um, so our, um, in talking over Thanksgiving this year, because it was just the four of us, we didn't really want to spend an entire day making a meal and then spend the rest of the day cleaning it up. Right. So we went for kind of a charcuterie spread um, that we put out at about noon and then just grazed on it the rest of the day. Um, so the tradition is pie for breakfast. So of course I had pie for breakfast and then I had smoked a turkey last weekend. So that was in the fridge ready to be sliced up. And then I smoked a salmon in the morning. So we had both smoked salmon and smoked turkey. And then Rivka made all manner of wonderful things. Brie with uh, cranberry pepper jelly and um, some of her own crostini. And yeah, it was great. Fantastic. Awesome. Good. I, you gave me a little preview last week and uh, glad to hear that it all came out amazing. And yeah. I'm sure yeah, it was tremendous. It was, so It was fantastic. And I think I may have finally achieved what I would call salmon perfection. So, Oh, very nice. Yeah. yeah. I years. just had you text me your, your method a few weeks ago. So um, I haven't tried it yet. I'm looking at now. I, I have more motivation now. Yeah, I could say again that it's it's pretty foolproof. So, yeah. Awesome. Okay, exciting. 
Well, good. Now I'm hungry again, even though <laughs> I don't need to be. But, you know, I did that to myself, I suppose. You did. You did. Well, for the sake of my stomach, let's move away from food to the talk called Be Perfected in Him by Elder Paul V. Johnson of the Presidency of the Seventy. So, Burke, let's start with you. What was the fundamental doctrine you learned from this talk? All right. Well, he starts out the talk um, by discussing a relative. Now I don't remember what, <laughs> what relation the person is. A grandson? It's a grandson. Okay. Um, who, because of aplastic anemia, needed a bone marrow transplant. Um, in order to do that, there's an entire process. Essentially, you eradicate the existing bone marrow through radiation chemotherapy, and then you implant uh, bone marrow from a donor, and then that bone marrow then going forward creates the products in blood, red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, all the things that you need in order to survive. So he talks about um, that life-saving um, process and relates it to having our heart changed um, by the miracle of the atonement and Jesus Christ. And he says, I would like to focus today on permanent life-giving change that occurs as we allow the Lord to work miracles in us. And then a little further down, he says, no matter how capable, educated, brilliant, or strong we are, we cannot cleanse ourselves from our sins, change our bodies to an immortal state, or exalt ourselves. It is only possible through the Savior Jesus Christ and his infinite atonement. There is none other way nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. It is his atoning blood that cleanses us and sanctifies us. And so I really like how he draws a parallel between someone who is saved by this um, very intricate medical process because that person cannot save themselves. Not only do they need a donor, but there's so many other people involved in it. And then brings that around to if you really want to change your heart. And if you want um, eternal life and spiritual redemption, you cannot do that yourself, no matter how hard you try or how good you try to be. And uh, so I really like the, the duality of that example. Yeah, that was fantastic. And what a, a powerful way to teach it, something that is earthly and he makes it, you know, he really converts it into something divine. And I think um, something that was really cool that I, I appreciated about that story that I don't think you threw in there was after the bone marrow transplant, if this young man whose name was Aaron, if he bled, he would actually be bleeding his brother's blood, Maxwell. Yeah. Um, so, and he said, you know, if, if you got arrested and they did a DNA test on the blood at the crime scene, it would be your brother's blood. Yeah. Um, so it, his brother's blood was literally you know, is literally coursing through his veins and keeping him alive. So yep. that, that was pretty amazing. So he, you know, he had work that he had to do, the young man, Aaron, but, and he had to, um, you know, accept the transplant, but you know, that yeah. there was so much that he could never do himself. Yeah. yeah. And I would also add that the footnotes for this talk are a scripture study map of the atonement. Yes. They're fantastic. They are really good. Yes. Agree. Awesome. Okay, Rivka, how about you? Oh, I mean, the same kind of thing. It's so funny as I was reading through this, I kept marking phrases that I was like, if they say this one, I'll pick a different one because he kind of <laughs> gives the same idea <laughs> in a lot of different, like he says it in a, 
in a few different ways, a lot of different ways. Right. And so, I mean, the underlying foundational principle is, is the same as Burke's, but I think my favorite of all of them was the one that he gave right at the end of the talk. Um, and he says this, our heavenly father and our savior, Jesus Christ, love us and have graciously offered to change us and perfect us. They want to do this. It is central to their work and glory. And I, I love that one. (laughs) They want to do this. This is the thing they want. Most of all is for us to turn to them so that they can change us. This is not something that like, if we if we poke a a busy deity hard enough, maybe they'll deign to pay attention to our plight, which is you know sometimes I think the way that we we worry about it. it like this is the last right. resort. We'll only turn to them if we have exhausted every other option, and they are saying this is this is well, I mean, it's the only option for a successful version of this, but please pick us like look here first. So yeah, I, I love this talk on the doctrine of grace and his example that he uses, I think is just so instructive and beneficial. Fantastic. Yeah. And that was sort of an invitation too. He, he didn't phrase it like I invite, but the way he phrased it is like they invite, you yes. know, <laughs> yeah. they want to do this. They're inviting you, you know, please accept it. So, um, okay. I, I love that. I, I'm going to bookend Rivka. I almost never pick the first few <laughs> sentences, but I had that one starred too. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. He just said straight out of the gate, no preamble, our heavenly father and our savior, Jesus Christ have the power to save and transform us. They can help us become as they are. Okay. You know, that's, that's it. That's the fundamental doctrine of the whole gospel really. And it's such a transformative, almost like revolutionary gospel for good doctrine for Christian, you know, for modern Christianity. And, and really, I suppose um, Christianity from everything between after the apostles, you know, died off until now. Um, but it, it changes our, our understanding so much of grace and works and salvation and exaltation to say, Hey, it's not just, I accept Jesus and I'm saved and that's that. And it's not just work our way into heaven. Um, it's we're going to follow the path laid out for us so that we can become like they are and have, you know, become joint heirs with Christ. And that is such a different way to think about it and really resolves all that tension between faith and works. And it is so amazing. Um, <clears throat> and just to keep going with the whole idea of, of um, blood and, and DNA and the idea of transformation, you know, he says, like the remarkable process of the very DNA of Aaron's blood cells changing, we can have our hearts changed, have his image in our countenances and become new creatures in Christ. So the whole thing he's talking about here is transformation and not just, um, you know, repentance because we're commanded or obedience because we're commanded, but really slowly reaching that point where we become like the savior. And you can, you can, do every program in the world and you can do all the brain work in the world and you can 
go to all the AA meetings in the world or whatever the case may be. And those things can help and, and be, you know, stepping stones along the way, but nothing can take you to perfection. And that's what they're shooting for here is to be perfected in him. So that is the fundamental doctrine. Awesome. Okay. What a great, um, fundamental doctrine to focus on today. So, Burke, um, let's keep going with the talk here. What else really stood out to you? What other quotes do you want to highlight? Well, I like one, (laughs) just one quick sentence here. He talks about, well, he calls them the two Almas. And he says, think of the difference in the lives of these two men named Alma before and after their hearts were changed. And I don't know, even though I'm very familiar with the story of both Alma the Older and Alma the Younger, just to refer to them as these two men named Alma, um, it's so interesting to think about how they both had very similar journeys in their life. Um, right. You know, raised differently, even in different geological areas, you know, and different groups of people, but how similar their lives was. And I don't know if I ever thought about it that way before, because by the time Alma the Younger is having issues, his father has been a pillar of righteousness for years and years and years. And so it's interesting to think back on how similar their lives was and how different they both became. I mean, what a great example of how that change in heart um, can really happen. And I think it's interesting. He says further down, um, he talks about how unsure medical treatments are. And in fact, Aaron had to have two separate bone marrow transplants. And he says, thankfully, with a spiritual change of heart, we don't have to wonder if it will happen. And I think about how many of the blessings in life we strive for and hope we're doing the right things to deserve. And, and maybe they don't come the way we expect. And this is one of those things that will happen the way we expect eventually. You know, he says, you don't have to wonder. It's going to happen. If you focus on following Jesus Christ, your heart will change. Yeah. What a guarantee to receive too. And what a great place to start that Burke with these two men who were doing such wrong things and think of the worst thing you've ever done. Have you tried to destroy God's church? Have you burned a prophet at the stake? Mm, probably not. And not so, <laughs> you know, so obviously there are other terrible things we can do, but those are pretty awful. And they transformed into incredible, you know, spiritual giants through Jesus Christ and and the Alma 36 where Alma the Younger describes his conversion is one of the most glorious transformative chapters in all of scripture. It's just amazing. Well, and I'm sure and, that um, both of these men, when they started to make that change, they weren't thinking someday, a thousand years from now, people will read about me as right. an example of righteousness. Right. Yeah. They were just following the path laid out before them. Right. Yep. And Alma yep. the Younger, at least, was just you know, sorrowing for a soul and, and begging for forgiveness. Yeah. But I, th- I think that guarantee is so crucial to our understanding of becoming perfect, right? Because if the commandment is just be therefore perfect and um, good luck, buddy, I hope it works out for you. Well, then we'd all probably give up, right? Yeah. Um, it's only well, through assuring in Christ. He says, I can clearly yeah. see my personal inadequacies and am painfully aware of the distance between me and perfection. And I resonate with that. Yeah. And we all should at some point. And if we don't, we need to take a, a long, hard look, a right? Closer look. Yeah. I One thing I've seen is people who 
experience sort of the sorrowing of the damned. You know, I that's it. It's over. I've done too much. And so it's not just that he's saying, well, you can you can go a long way and then he'll he'll make you perfect the rest of the way. He's saying we are all unperfect. Im- imperfect. Did I say unperfect? Wow. You did, but yeah, imperfect. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if only I actually edited this podcast, I would take that out. Um, <laughs> we are all we are all imperfect. And as you um, fantastically put it once, Burke, you know, the distance between us and God is so much larger than the distance between us and anyone else on earth Yeah. Um, in terms of perfection, that really this applies to all of us. And if you lose the hope in the atonement of Christ and just give up that you can't make it, uh, you know, you're going to make a lot worse choices. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what a, I love how he said that 100% guarantee of being cleansed by the Savior's yeah. blood. So. Awesome. Uh, Rivka, how about you? What, what next here? That's what's next that stood out to you? Well, something kind of, I mean, I had thought about it while I was reading this this week, but also, especially as you two were talking just now about, about the Almas. Um, he, not Alma, Elder Johnson said, said this, um, and this is earlier in the talk. He says, even with a perfect donor match, a bone marrow transplant still poses a serious risk of complications. The process required that Aaron's own cells and his diseased bone marrow be destroyed by a combination of chemotherapy and radiation before receiving the stem cells from his brother Maxwell's bone marrow. Then because Aaron's compromised immune system, uh, because of Aaron's compromised immune system, he needed to be isolated in the hospital for several weeks and then at home for several months with special protocols, restrictions, medications. Um, And as, I mean, that doesn't seem like a very gospel sort of thing. (laughs) But I was thinking about that on one of my read throughs, because I'd been pondering that Alma, the elder and Alma, the younger situation. And I thought that that statement about this experience posing a serious risk of complications could be said about our mortal journey here, from our heavenly parents point of view. That this thing that we're doing, I like that, Rivka. Is the thing that we're there, what we're doing here is essential to the plan, um, but it comes with a tremendous amount of risk, and and our heavenly parents and our Savior, I think, if we think about that, it to me it shows an an incredible amount of um, confidence and trust that they have in us to come down and weather this and and turn to them because they know us and it shows a perfect confidence in the plan that they are providing for us. Um, because like you said, there's a 100% chance that this one is going to work as long as we turn to them. Um, and so the risk, the, the risk mitigation is really all in whether or not we turn because there is no other risk outside of that. Um, and And I think the reason I was thinking that and in, I don't know, in conjunction with the Almas is that I was thinking about what Alma the elders prayers must have been like when his son started going on a path that he had walked when he was younger. So, you know, we, because we don't often think about, like Burke said, these two having kind of similar paths, but one of them was at least raised and in the gospel and taught the right Alma the younger was, Alma the elder wasn't, but they both for a time fought against the church. 
and and prophets. And so I just was thinking his prayers must have been so different than mine would have been if that was me praying for a child because I hadn't done that before. And then I was thinking about how Joseph Smith taught us that that as we are now God once was and certainly we know that the savior through his atoning sacrifice has has somehow been able to experience our experiences the way we experience them and so their knowledge and understanding of what we're going through is is perfect and experiential for them anyway there were just a lot of layers of things that i was thinking about in this talk um i just think this i think the examples that he gives are so good um, and helping us really understand this relationship that we have with our Savior and with our Father in Heaven as we are working through this process of becoming and the change that's required for that. That was totally amazing. And my mind is being totally blown right now, Rivka. So let me just step back through some of that. So let's go back to his bone marrow transplant and all the things he had to do for it to be successful. Yeah. And and our mortal journey. and. Just what what a great metaphor, because think of how weird we must look to everyone around us. Like, you know, we don't drink, we don't drink coffee, we don't drink tea. We go to church for how long on Sunday and our kids get up at what time to do seminary and all these other things um, that we do that just seem so bizarre to the world. Yeah. Of course, if you don't imagine if you looked in on this young man and you had no concept of what bone marrow was or what a bone marrow transplant was, you'd be like, this is really dumb. Why is he doing all this? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They're being um, super overprotective and really restrictive. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, but we, you know, we're surrounded by just the swarm of, of, uh, you know, evil disease in terms of spiritual disease. And, uh, and we have to protect ourselves by just mitigating all of that stuff. So yeah, that was amazing. And then to think of the parallels between Alma the Younger, Alma and Alma the Younger, and then um, things you know parents may have been through that they try to teach their kids about, and then you know as as um, and to think of the parallels of our Heavenly Father having sort of gone through that as well, that just really hit home for me. You know, he's he's speaking from a place of of knowledge and experience. So amazing, Rivka. Thank you. Um, okay, let's get into um, this paragraph here. It's about two-thirds of the way down. It starts with, we are children of God. It's sort of an awesome recap of the fundamental doctrine. Um, another quote I wanted to talk about and a subtle invitation and promise. So he says, we are children of God with a majestic destiny. We can be changed to become like him and have a fullness of joy. Satan, on the other hand, would have us be miserable like he is. We have the ability to choose whom we follow. When we follow Satan, we give him power. When we follow God, he gives us power. I mean, what in the world? <laughs> that paragraph is amazing. Yeah. So, okay, he recaps our fundamental doctrine here. We are children of God with a majest majestic destiny. So, sort of setting our sights, plotting our course. And I love this invitation he works in here. We can be changed to become like him. So inviting us to be changed and the promise and have a fullness of joy. And of course, I love any promises that involve joy. And uh, we're, we're hoping for that now and in the eternities. 
And then I love the contrast he puts in here. Satan also has an invitation for us. Um, He wants us to be miserable. And so we can either get power from God by choosing him, or we can give our power to Satan uh, when we choose him. And that, it just, when he puts it like that, it's just so clear. Like, it's so obvious what we should do. (laughs) And I just love that clarity. So any thoughts from that paragraph, Rivka? Um... Gosh, I don't know. I think you did a really good job of covering that. Um, Except that I guess my thought as I read through that is that Satan is as real as Jesus Christ is and um, is actively working against Heavenly Father's plan, where the Savior is actively working for Heavenly Father's plan. And... uh, yeah, he does put an interesting juxtaposition of of where power is traveling <laughs> based on our choices, right? It's right. either flowing into us or it's or it's flowing out of us. Um and or away from us. Maybe I should say that. <laughs> it's flowing into us or it's flowing away from us to Satan. Right. Um yeah, I think it's I think it's again, he does such a good job of bringing pictures to our minds that really make sense and help awesome help us visualize. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Burke, what other invitations and promises did you find here? Oh, let's see here. Sorry. I was going to answer your question about further on oh. that paragraph. I, my brain yeah, was somewhere go totally else. Well, it yeah, just no, no, me no I want to hear what you have to say. Well, when it says, you know, when we follow Satan, we give him power and we follow God, he gives us power. I think about that that power imbalance. And it just reminds me of Isaiah um, chapter 14 um, when he's talking about Lucifer's fall from heaven, although also about um, the King of Babylon and how power works in this life. And he says, um, let's see, where is it here? Is this the man? So it's verse 16 of Isaiah chapter 14 and says, they, that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth tremble that did shake kingdoms? You know, and you think about that power imbalance where, you know, on this earth, Satan held so much power because people give him so much power and all he has to reward them with is misery. But if you are, you know, successful in following this journey, having your heart changed, eventually you will recognize the difference in the power. You will see it, you know, played out before you. And, to see what power Satan actually has in the afterlife, which is none. And it's just, it. so I always, always think about that because he just seems so powerful in this life. Like he has so much influence and so many follow him. And I kind of look forward to when that day comes when that doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. Reminds me of Elder Bednar saying the absolute emptiness of the great and spacious building. Exactly. um, Which seems so beautiful and flashy from afar. And then when you get up close, you're like, oops, there's nothing here. (laughs) Yeah. There's actually no joy here. No joy to be had in that building. Right. Yeah. Well, I I didn't want to skip over you for invitations and and promises either. Are you ready to give us some of those? Or do you want us to come back? (laughs) Okay. Go for it. 
So, and we kind of already talked about this, but he says, when we live according to his will, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, which I feel like is the invitation, then the blessing is there is a 100% guarantee of being cleansed by the Savior's blood and eventually being perfected in him. He is a God of truth and cannot lie. And then further down, he also says, when the fulfillment of God's promises seems far off, we still embrace those promises knowing they will be fulfilled. So I feel like that's another invitation. Even though it seems a long ways off, we still are invited to embrace the promises and keep working towards them. Yeah. I I think so many of the promises we talk about are are completely awesome right there. You know, joy and happiness and fulfillment and greater faith. This one is like a hundred percent guarantee of being cleansed by the Savior's blood and being perfected in him. I mean, that's the promise, right? I mean, that's the whole thing right there. Yep. I mean, what greater promise could there be? So um, awesome. Thank you, Burke. Rivka, how about you? Any invitations and promises that we haven't already covered? The one that I marked is just the scripture that he quotes from Moroni that I think most of us are familiar with. Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him. And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all your might, mind, and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you, that by his grace you may be perfect in Christ. What a comforting and powerful truth. Elder Johnson says, his grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for all who labor and are heavy laden. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. That was a powerful, powerful talk and really a great way to set your course. If you're wondering, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What should I do next? This is a great talk for you. So, I, I invite everyone to go read it if they haven't already. Um, so our next talk will be called In Partnership with the Lord by Elder Ulysses Soares of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. In the meantime, you can get a hold of us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Words of the Prophets Podcast, or you can email us at Words of the Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks everyone for joining us today, and until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.